It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 8th of May from Houston before Game 5. Jazz and the Rockets, a review of Game 4, a discussion of Rudy, a look at what we're asking Donovan to do, and oh, the hood has come undone. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Hope you're doing well. Just got back from my morning coffee with Igor, hoping it not to be the last one. But there's a, unless we force a game seven, that would be the case uh, before he heads off to, to Phoenix. What a wonderful man. Uh, had a great time chatting with him again this morning, as we, as we always do. Uh, he always has his croissant every morning and his coffee and just sit and chat. This is just a great, great gift uh, that I've been given the last two years to be able to get to know him and have that. So a little melancholy, I guess, right now, hoping that that's not the last time. But, uh, you know, you never know tonight. You never know. They're great. Uh, and I, that's kind of where I want to start the show is just kind of a big picture conversation of things and then look back at game four, talk a little bit about Rudy and Donovan. Today's show brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, Rad Concrete Coatings, getting good at that. And Mazuma USA. All right, so I, I, I watched rewatch Game Four, and let me just make sure that we take a second and understand what we're watching, right? So we're watching, and it depends what you know. What's your point you want to take it to? So you can go to the beginning of the year when the Rockets over under was about sixty wins, and the Jazz was forty point five out of Vegas. It's not really a particularly close matchup. You can go to the regular season record that they had 65 wins and the Jazz had 48. And that only twice, only once since 2003 has a team with a 17 fewer wins and their opponent won a series. You can look at the individual matchups. The one that struck me throughout watching the game was that when the year started... Royce O'Neal was probably the 470th player in the NBA, right? 450 players. He was outside looking in. The Jazz had to cut Joel Ballenboy to have him make the team. So he's really making the team as the 15th guy on your roster. And he's certainly gotten better than that, right? Now he'll rank up much higher than that in regards to players in the league. But, you know, still undrafted, two years in Europe, had to work to get himself on the roster. He's going head-to-head with James Harden in this series, who is the second-best player in the league right now. I mean, maybe the third behind Durant, and we all know who the best is. The point guard matchup is Hall of Fame Chris Paul, nine-time All-Star, going against Donovan Mitchell, who's good. But, like, really, not, like, I don't know that he'll actually have a career that is as good as Chris Paul's. He might, but I don't know that at all. Chris Paul's pretty awesome. Chris Paul's the greatest point guard the game's probably seen since John Stockton. 
10 years ago, the Utah Jazz, 10 years ago, the Utah Jazz were in a playoff series against the Los Angeles Lakers trying to make the get out of the first round and Trevor Ariza kicked their ass. If you remember, Jazz lose in five rounds in the five games in the first round and Trevor Ariza scores 21 in game 1 and then 13 in the game and 12 in game 5 and the Jazz fall I think uh if we go back to that April 27th game uh, which we probably should be doing. Maybe I'll. Maybe that should be my throwback Tuesday, um, right? That's the Darren Williams, Andre Karolinko, Memento Core, Carlos Boozer, Ronnie Brewer Jazz team. It was pretty good, and they get beat by the Lakers in 2009 because Trevor Ariza hits a bunch of shots and goes on to win a title ten years ago. He's battling Joe Ingles. Maybe Joe's a better player than Trevor Reza now, but Trevor Reza certainly has been there and done that. Right? So when you start to just kind of look at this matchup, and, you know, the cute number I keep throwing out there is that Harden and Paul have played more playoff games than Mitchell and O'Neal have played, or excuse me, played more All-Star games then Mitchell and O'Neill have played playoff games, and Harden and Paul have played more playoff games than O'Neill and Mitchell have played regular season games. So before you kind of start analyzing anything in this series or trying to evaluate or having an emotional reaction to things, my first comment is like, I'm not sure this is a fair fight. And then that leads me to my second reaction when watching the game. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Like We had a moment, by the way, where Howell Neto was guarding Chris Paul and Royce O'Neal was guarding James Harden. Like, I love these guys. But, like, they're not Chris Paul and they're not James Harden. Right? You with me on that? I hope so. Otherwise, we're going to have a hard time continuing our communication. Not that, like I'm saying you should go away. I'm just saying you're not going to really, if you don't buy that, we're going to have a hard time finding common ground. Okay, so, and you know what? Like, their backup center in Nene, probably people don't think a great deal about him as a player because they don't. he was the seventh pick of the Knicks in 2002-2003. So he's played 15 Years in this league. Like the first time he ever played the Utah Jazz. Carl Malone scored 21 points, had 10 rebounds and 5 assists in that game. Okay? Like Nene's first game he ever plays against the Utah Jazz, John Stockton had 11 dimes. Though... That's run around the tree a few times. And frankly, our two primary guys, Donovan's never been through it. Rudy's never been at this level where they, I mean, our guys thought they could win this series. That's the beautiful thing about what Quinn and Dennis have built here is our guys thought they could win this series. 
So as I analyze and watch this series, I really think that's the primary thing you got to be looking at. And it may turn out, right, it's a five-game gentleman sweep, and then it really wasn't close. But what jumped out to me when watching game four is how close it actually was. Like, I'll take four plays here and flip them, and the game's different. And now, all four of these might be talent-related, okay? So, I mean, to some extent, the reason these plays go wrong, I would guess, is because of what we're talking about. But here are the four plays. Jay Crowder, fast break, uncontested, virtually uncontested layup. Joe Ingles, fast break, virtually uncontested layup. Joe's was on the right side. He couldn't go to his left hand. I don't know. Jonas Jerebko leaves Gerald Green on a strong side corner three. Like, number one principal defense of Quinn Snyder's defense, never leave strong side corner. Okay? Like, that's that's it. Don't leave strong side corner. Royce O'Neal, for no apparent reason other than just in the flow of the game and probably in experience and probably trying to do the best thing he possibly could on a, I think, either a Harden or a Chris Paul drive, sags into the lane. Really one of those things where it feels like you're helping out, but when you watch it on video, you're really doing absolutely nothing. You're having no impact. You've kind of sagged in. You feel like you're doing the right thing because you got this guy coming, and but he's coming for, and he left strong side corner for another three. Now, they have to knock down the shots, to their credit. And Royce O'Neal got a wide-open corner three on a nice play late in the fourth quarter that he didn't make that, you know, okay, so that's part of it too, right? Like, they're they Jail Green and um, had to make that shot. But those four, and I'm not trying to single out those individuals. Um, I, frankly, consciously chose four plays that have four different individuals. But those four plays are 10 points and swing that game in an in a incredibly different fashion than the way, way it came down. Also, the time in which all of those took place is pre- are pretty important also, right? They're all, they're all were back-breaking, heartbreaking mistakes. You know, I, the Ariza 3... Late's not great either. Um, we could probably look at that one. But by that point, frankly, um, O'Neal has just missed the floater. You know, it's a, it's not 87, 80, 450 left. Royce O'Neal's just not a great playmaker. Gets caught kind of in the middle of the lane on a, on a, on a fast break, throws up a really bad floater, and then guys don't match up. And if, and if that's the play I remember, Jay Crowder, like just kind of these are the little details. But I also think these are the mistakes you make when stressed to a point of feeling as though you have to do extra. Uh, Jay Crowder crashes an offensive board, which frankly we don't do. So we have three guys on the offensive board. He gets knocked to the ground, and then that leads to a five-on-four with Ariza open in the corner. That really is the dagger. So O'Neal makes the shot. It goes back down to five. Instead, if I have my play right, and I'm checking it right now, Ariza 
uh, Chris Paul pushes ahead, and the Jazz don't have five guys back because Jay Crowder's fallen to the ground. Um, and we'll see whether uh, I want to see if this is. Yep, this is the right. That's the right play. And fact of the matter is that Chris Paul and Jay Crowder were at the same spot. Chris Paul was able to get down to throw the assist, and then Ariza hits the three, and then it's a ten point game again with four forty two. There's a bunch of those plays that kind of swing this game, but that's to me. I'm taking that as an incredible positive that this team that really I'm not sure I think this is a fair fight, and yet I can go find these individual plays where the work of the Jazz have have done enough to put themselves in that position. And that will change my give me that will impact understanding that for our next segment is where I'm coming from on Rudy. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at forty six forty six South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. Uh, I have been driving the Hyundai brand for probably about a year now. When I first started, I honestly didn't know about it. I met with uh, Adam Chase. And the Murdoch family, and I first thing I got to know was the Murdochs. Very impressed in just the passion and pride they have in their dealerships and their name and what they're doing with customers. And then it was time to get to know Hyundai, and they have the 100,000-mile Hyundai Assurance. I was like, all right, but I didn't know the brand. So I went and drove the Santa Fe. was crazily impressed. Drove the Tucson, liked it. Uh, they fixed it up, actually, since I've driven it. It'll be interesting to drive the new one. We drove the Ionic Hybrid, which I loved. If you're out for a hybrid, make sure you look at the Ionic. Now I'm driving the Kona, which is their short little uh, SUV, kind of like the Subaru uh, Super Tracks or Tracks or whatever. And to back this up, this week we actually bought a Santa Fe. So now that we, we needed a new car, trade one of our cars in, uh, be able to go get a new car with all the safety features for our prospective 16-year-old driver that starts in two months. Ah! Um, and so to back up the fact that I felt really believe in the Murdochs, believe in the Hyundai brand, uh, I, we went and bought a Santa Fe. So 4646 South State Street, Murdoch, Hyundai, you get the Murdoch guarantee, which is car washes and uh, oil changes for life, as well as five-day price match uh, return policy and a price match guarantee. It's all at Murdoch, Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. Okay, now they're... Maybe this is a mistake on my part as a reporter, but I 
My Twitter timeline was, and I don't really know if I'm a reporter, but Twitter timeline was loaded with Rudy stuff. Andy Larson, who I respect to the end of the earth and think is just incredible, uh, got on Rudy a little bit. Um, so I went back to re-watch the game, predominantly watching Rudy. I thought he was really good. There's some things he can do better. If I'm Quinn, I'm pushing him. I'm probably a little frustrated with him on some minor things. Um, the mistake that's being made, and I understand where this is coming from from the fan base. TNT is doing a national broadcast. You're making the first mistake, which is you're watching TNT instead of listening to Ron and I on the radio. And I'll forgive you for that. It's easier to do it that way. Uh, but you really should be turning on the radio and turning off the television volume. Uh, or just listen to radio. It's the real art. And... They're, they have to simplify their messaging to their few amount of graphics that they actually use. Uh, that was for Scott Rogers. And who's our graphics guy? And they're putting up these things that Capella's outplaying Gobert. Okay, Clint Capella has been awesome. Absolutely awesome. That does not mean that Rudy Gobert has not been good. That's putting two things together and connecting them, and that's a false narrative. So Capella's been great. The Jazz are averaging .7 points per isolation possession on Capella. He's been able to guard out on the floor. It allows them to have their switching defense. We're going to talk about the impact of both defenses here in a second in this game, and he's been great. But frankly, so is Rudy. The Jazz defensive scheme generally, there's some exceptions, generally is that if James Harden comes off a pick and roll with Clint Capella, Rudy's job is to drop and stay even with Capella. And at that point, both James Harden and Chris Paul are so great that they keep the defender on their hip. You've got to come over the top of the pick or else James Harden stepping back for three. So now the defender is on the backside of Harden. Harden is coming into the basket, and Rudy's got to drop as far as Capella goes to prevent the lob. They got one lob in the whole game. The one time Rudy broke his defensive assignment, they got a lob. One time, they got a lob. So I keep reading Rudy's so non-aggressive. Well, the defensive assignment is for Rudy to backpedal and play both those guys at the same time. A third guy comes into the picture, and you are now leaving Aaron Gordon, Eric Gordon, Trevor Reza, P.J. Tucker wide open for three. Now, Bamute, you might leave wide open for three. He hasn't shown he can make him. But the rest of those guys, and that's what the Rockets thrive on, they thrive on taking 50% of their shots as threes. They're not doing that in this series. In fact, Rudy's presence has completely blown up the entire shot composition of the Rockets in this playoff series. We talked about it yesterday. The Rockets, and if you if you've listened to the show yesterday, which I advise, uh, the Rockets' shot composition is nowhere near what it has been in the regular season because of Rudy's presence, because of Quinn's defensive game plan. That is why the Jazz are as close in these games as they are. Or at least in game four and one game two, which is pretty remarkable. 
They have the capability. They they have structured it so that suddenly, instead of 82% of their shots being smart shots, 66% of their shots are smart shots. The other thing that's just so interesting is when Favors is in the game, both Chris Paul and James Harden tried to attack Favors. He did a great job of being vertical, not trying to jump up with him, or uh, but hold verticality, not be le- lurching forward, and ho- held their vert- and they both missed their shots. Wa- rewatching the game without charting this, but doing it off memory, I think that James Harden went at Rudy Gobert once early in the game and scored. And once late in the game and didn't, and that was it. Now, when you're watching the series, the impact Gobert is having is mammoth. Now, maybe because he's our best player and he's superhuman and he's so long, you're expecting him to be monumentally incredible all the time. But the idea that just because Capella's good, Rudy's bad is is really, really bottom barrel stuff. With go the, the Rockets are shooting 29% of their shots in the restricted area. During the regular season, they were at 32. Okay? With Gobert on the floor, they're at 27. Here's the stunner. So this is paint non-restricted. In other words, Gobert drops with Capella, takes away the rim, forces them to take a shot in the paint that's not in the restricted area. In the regular season, they took 10%. In this playoff series, they're taking 20%. With Gobert on the floor, they're taking 23%. With Gobert off the floor, they're back at 13%. Mid-range shots. In the season, they took 8%. In the playoff series, they're taking 11. They're taking 11 with Gobert on the floor. They're taking 11 with Gobert off the floor. They're taking 10% of their shots as corner threes. They did 12% in the regular season, and they're taking 31% of their shots as above the break threes, just 29% when Gobert's on the floor, and 35% when he's off. The number one belief I have about defense is shot composition is the first thing you try to alter. And if you're able to alter shot composition then you have a chance defensively. If you don't alter shot composition, you're going to struggle. So Rudy's impact is mammoth. And he is not playing as badly as people say. And I, So just put it out this way, I respect Andy Larson to the end of the earth. I disagree with most of his take. We're allowed to do that. Still be friends even, I think. Uh, I hope. Uh, here's where Rudy can be better. On the roll to the basket, he's got to be... It's not that he has to be stronger down the post. That's absurd. He's not a post player. When he goes to set the pick with Capella, and Capella's pushing him, the Rockets have made their defensive adjustment is that Capella is pushing, making contact with Rudy when he comes up the floor to set the pick, and pushing Rudy. Literally physically pushing Rudy or holding him. Rudy's got to fight through that to make a better drive to the basket, a better roll to the basket. If he can get free of him and use him like a – and get in between the two guys like a, I don't know, running back through the line or a – like a saloon door kind of concept, that would be even better. So he needs to be stronger on the rolls to the basket. 
Favors was open on a bunch, and Nene was in the game instead of Capella, so it's hard to tell whether or not those are just Favors doing it better, different angle. Um, and I think there might be a defensive adjustment tonight where you play Favors going up against when Chris Paul is in the game by himself. You may decide to play Favors so that you can go to and you go to the defensive uh, strategy that the Jazz went to in Game 7 against Chris Paul where you come up on that pick and roll. Now, particularly if he's on the floor with Nene and you're suddenly rotating out a little differently, you, you the problem is you probably need Chris Paul and Bamute on the floor together for that. They do that at the beginning of the second quarter, and they do it at a little bit of the beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, and they did it a little bit at the end of the third the other night. But if you have Bamute on the floor so you can leave him, rotate down to help on the big rolling, and you can then play favors up higher on Chris Paul. That would that would be, you know, and really I'm going back to game seven uh, of the of the playoff series uh, last year. So I really, I'll tell you, I, I don't see it. And I feel like I know the game pretty well. And I know... Uh, the game plan pretty well. I, there are things he could do better. And I think that a little bit of Rudy is at a a bit of a breaking, not a breaking point, but a stress point. Where he, this is a lot of pressure. And Capella's playing well. And he know, and, and, and frankly, that narrative that's out there is not very helpful to Rudy or the Jazz. Because now Rudy feels as though he's got to try to match Capella. And that's always been a weakness of Rudy's game, has been his per- interest in that personal battle. It's all stemming from a great place, which is his desire to be great. But he's always in that personal battle, whether it's Dwight Howard or whoever, whatever center he's playing. And right now, he knows that narrative is out there. So trying to keep him in the team concept is not always the easiest thing in the world, nor is it for any player. That's not. That, I'm not criticizing Rudy, but that's just the reality of... You know, guys get into their individual battles. Today's show is brought to you by MazumaUSA.com. Uh, I got a nice email from a guy the other day who said uh, he had a great conversation with Mazuma. They were incredibly helpful. He looked into it. And actually, in his cases, um, he just said he wanted to email me and let me know how what the uh, communication was and also um, had some ideas for me to help our sponsors even more. But uh, And actually, in his case, it turned out that for what he's able to do, the pricing was about the same, and so he didn't want to change it. But here's what Mazuma is for you. If you have one to five employees, you're going to be able to save money and gain clarity by using Mazuma. Because for $75 a month, they will give you a bookkeeping and a consultation from a CPA unlimited for $75 a month. Then they'll give you monthly reports. And at the end of the year, they have their personal and business tax returns formed for you. So you call into Mizuma USA, you sign up, then you're immediately assigned your own CPA and your own bookkeeper. Once a quarter, you have a tax reminder about planning. Once a month, you're getting each report. At the end of the year, they have all your work done for you. No contract, cancel any times, no hidden fees. Mizuma, M-A-Z-U-M-A-U-S-A.com, MazumaUSA.com. Promo code LOCKED. 
free consultation. So just as I got from the emailer, call, free consultation, see if it works for you. 801-980-2102. That's MazumaUSA.com. The other, today's other sponsor, another sponsor is Rad Concrete Coating. So if you go to the Utah County Parade of Homes, if you go to, frankly, the Park City Parade of Homes or the Salt Lake, you will see a bunch of houses in which Rad Concrete Coating has done their work. In fact, eight of them right now in the Utah County Parade of Homes that's coming up. Waterproof deck coatings, garage floor coating. Even waterproofing your garage, which think about it for some people with a garage that's up a little higher or things of that nature, that's a pretty important thing. Concrete overlays or driveway restructuring, salt death happens, harsh winters, surface flaking, all bad. Go to radutah.com or radconcretecoating.com and fill out the bid form. Mike over at Rad Concrete Coating started the company 17 years ago. His first employee is still with him today. His biggest pride point when I asked him, like, what makes you great is the applicators uh, that they have uh, that put the work together. Those are the key to his whole business, he says. Hey, he's honest. We're not the cheapest because that's not what you want. You want the best. They go to all the world of concrete shows. They get the latest and greatest stuff. Check out their website at radconcretecoatings.com or radutah.com and you'll see their amazing work at radutah.com or radconcretecoatings.com and Mike, I got it, I finally nailed it, saying all the right, didn't even mess up once, so nanner nanner yeah, I just dropped a nanner nanner in the podcast, I really just did that Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network, right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. All right. Um, I was going to talk about Donovan. It's really simple, guys. We're just asking him to do everything. And it's probably... Um, more than is a fair request. Um, we can talk more about it tomorrow. He's been awesome. Um, I think he's at a stress point, too. We saw that a little bit with his reaction to Harden walking off. Um, you know, this, these guys want to compete. Uh, sitting courtside and watching Donovan, the desire and passion and commitment to winning and playing and giving every ounce of himself is pretty awesome. Pretty awesome to watch up close and personal. Uh, sitting courtside. You don't see it when you're sitting up, <clears throat> but it's pretty awesome. Uh, sad story out of Cleveland. Rodney Hood is just a mess. So Rodney Hood, as we've talked about, and I've kind of mentioned, and I haven't wanted to um, 
kind of blow up. Um, you know, he's been awful. Okay. Um, and uh, he's just not had a good preseason, postseason. He didn't have a good postseason last year for the Jazz. Um, I, I think I, I think I pulled it up. But like his, you know, he's two of like fourteen from three this year. And then if you go back and look at the end of last year, he was like, it's really bad. So playoffs have not been a kind time for Rodney Hood. He's not. Uh, was not particularly good with Cleveland this year, though his shooting and numbers were almost the exact same as they were with Utah, but it just didn't seem to click the same way. He went and played his regular season numbers. His effective field goal percentage was down from 51.6 to 50.5, but he played from 28 minutes. He played 25. He got his three rebounds, his two assists. Instead of scoring 17 points and getting 14 shots per 28 minutes, he got 10, so he was definitely getting less looks. Um, might happen when you go to a different team or a different team with a superstar is per 36, you know, shots and usage. But I mean, he was a, he was a unrelenting gunner uh, with us this year at a 27% usage rate for a below average offensive efficiency player. It was a little hard to swallow, but unfortunately he has not had a good playoff. Um, that stem back. I don't know if last year uh, is impacting him, but if you recall last year, uh, in his, against the Warriors, he finished um, against the Warriors series. He did not play particularly well, and he finished shooting one of 15 from three. And then if you stemmed it back to game six and seven against the Clippers, he finished uh, shooting two of – make sure I get this exactly right because I don't want to be uh, – two of 15 – two of two of 24 uh, from three to wrap his final – six games of the playoffs with the Jazz last year, and he was not uh, in the final, in that final stretch, he shot 33% from the floor and 8% from three. It was, it was ugly. 25 minutes, he was averaging seven points a game. That seems to have come back and impacted him here in Cleveland, where he has not been very good in the playoffs either. And then, to cap it off, last night, up 30, with nine minutes left in the game, Rodney refused to enter. It's really... Stunning. Uh, Since game two of the playoffs, Rodney is shooting 37% from the field and zero from three and averaging four points a game in 17 minutes. So it's not been good there. Uh, Most of his points, 12, he scored 12 points in the blowout loss, 34 point blowout loss in game six. And he was unwilling to enter the game tonight, last night. It's too bad. Um, but it's it's too bad. It also probably is a point that the Jazz intentionally, not by accident by Dennis Lindsay, this is intentionally, uh, have dodged a mammoth bullet by not being in a situation in the offseason where you feel like you couldn't lose an asset. Uh, the other one that might be worth mentioning is there might have been just incredible work by Quinn Snyder and his coaching staff to prop him up. To turn him into the 15-point-a-game scorer that he was with the Jazz might have been an incredible effort. That would be the other angle. 
That wraps up today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Thank you very much for checking. I don't, I, you know, I don't know how far to go on. I don't know the next. I mean, it's just it's a disaster. Seven thirty-eight left, down thirty, and he he doesn't check in. Come on, dude, you're way gone. It's too bad. That's not the kid that arrived from Mississippi. Uh, he, he's a, he's, but nor is the kid who slapped the cell phone. I mean, we this has been going on all year. The pressure of free agency, something else has really uh, taken away the guy that uh, we first met as a player. It's too bad. That is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.